Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together, we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Do you dream of creating picture books that will change a child's life? Learn how to write the story only you can tell at this year's Picture Book Summit. Join John Klassen, Juji Morales, agents, editors, and more on October 2nd, 2021. Visit picturebooksummit.com to register. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, Kim. So today's book is a picture-perfect nonfiction picture book. Agreed. <laughs> the Traveling Camera, Lewis Hine and the Fight to End Child Labor, written by Alexandra S.D. Hendricks and illustrated by Michael Garland, follows Lewis Hine and his photography of child laborers. Written in first person, this lyrical book demonstrates the power of a picture and how one person's call to action can change lifetimes. It's both engaging and informative and stunning. It's just so stunning in every way. It really is. We're excited to talk with Alexandra Michael, their editor, Elizabeth Nicholson, and publicist, Maureen Winter. Let's get started. Alex, we're going to start with you. Can you share with us where the inspiration to write this story came from? Sure. Well, I, to be totally honest, wanted to find a project that might be a good fit for Elizabeth again, because I loved working with her on my first book. And with the Getty, it needs to relate to the collection in some way. And so I was pouring through the digital collection. And to be honest, I was really not entirely sure what I was looking for. I knew I wanted to do a biography. I was thinking that I wanted to find a woman photographer or a woman sculptor. I kept seeing the pictures of these kids and I had two thoughts. One was that they looked familiar, the photographs in general. And the other is just, it's really hard to find kids depicted in history, especially working class kids or immigrants. And so I just thought, I need to look at these again. And then I remembered why they were familiar as soon as I saw that they were Lewis Hine, because I had studied his work in grad school with my graduate advisor. And then I just got really excited (laughs) and dove in. Such a great, such a great idea. So Elizabeth, what was it about this story that made you want to acquire it? Basically, all of the things that Alex just mentioned. (laughs) We enjoyed working together and we were looking for something else to do together. But again, as an art museum, everything, even down to our picture books, needs to embody 
the goals of the Getty, which is just to share the joy of art and show the power of art in the world to even our youngest readers. So when Alex brought me this idea, it was a no-brainer. It shows how you can use art to make change in the world. It showed how one inspired person trudging around with his camera and capturing the lives of these children has made an impact through the passage of child labor laws. And it's so relevant now. And it shows kids that they can make a lasting impact. So... So true. You know, it, it really was just a brilliant idea. Mm. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. What about the illustrator selection process? What was that like? The stars aligned. Michael had sent me a proposal for a different book earlier on. It wasn't quite right for us at the Getty, but I had just been blown away by the artwork. It was so beautiful and compelling and I know when I told him I really want to save this and get back to you on a future project, I don't know if he believed me or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as soon as this project came in from Alex, I thought, oh, Michael's art is just perfect for this. And being an art museum, you might expect that we're very picky. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we have a lot of requirements for the people we want to work with. And Michael, his art is just incredible. And it just seemed like the perfect fit. Yes. It's beautiful. Michael, what was it that made you want to say yes to working on this project? The text was fantastic. Heinz pictures were very inspirational. It was just something I immediately fell in love with. Elizabeth told me that it would be a challenge because there are a lot of experts at the other end. And she warned me and it was not hard. I'm used to negotiating through these things. The technique I work in, the idea for this book because my illustrations were going to be seen right alongside photographs, I wanted them to look like sketches, as though someone was following Lewis Hind around and drawing him as he did all these things. Because I did great big drawings. They looked like they're sketching, purposely done that way. And then I scanned them into my computer and then composite and then digitally painted. And that also leaves room for input on the other end. In the past, when I worked with oil paints, that... <laughs> One wanted to make a change, you had to throw out the whole thing. <laughs> right. You can accommodate a last minute change, or if someone noticed something technically that was not right, it could be changed. So I was very happy, and I was very happy that Elizabeth really embraced the sketchy technique, that which I really enjoyed. When I put these things out, I'm never sure if on the other end they're hearing and understanding. <laughs> right. So, uh, I really embraced that, so I was very happy with that. I'm very way the book came out. It's beautiful. Maureen, at what point is publicity brought into the process for a book like this? And how do you start building a publicity plan? We're really thinking about marketing and publicity from the beginning, but we probably start seven months before publication generally, which is when we'll create our marketing plan. So before that, we've sent our author and illustrator, Alex and, and Michael, an author questionnaire that we asked them to fill out and give us any sort of leads or tips that they have, what they think is the good selling point for the book. And then at that point, we start thinking about what are the publications we want to target. You know, generally we start earliest with sort of the long lead trade publications. So like Publishers Weekly and Library Journal and Kirkus, we'll start really reaching out to them as early as possible. Then from there, we'll think about who do we want to reach out 
closer to publication. So newspapers, magazines, bloggers. So we're really thinking about it pretty far out. We think about how do we want to reach the booksellers? What sort of tools are we going to utilize? With illustrated picture books, it's really great to be able to have full spreads or a galley to be able to give to people. But printed galleys are very expensive. And through everything that's been going on with COVID, it's been very hard to get physical things into people's hands. And this book in particular, you know, we made sure to get the book up early on NetGalley. So reviewers and librarians would be able to access it there. And people have also been a lot more willing than they used to, to review PDFs in lieu of a finished copy, which is great. Wow. Alex, can you share with us a little bit about your writing process for this story? I absolutely love how you've chosen to write the story in the first person point of view. And I'm hoping you can shed some light on your decision for that and (laughs) more about your writing process in general. My very, very first draft was not in first person because Elizabeth and I already had an established relationship. She saw this, you know, very early on, way before I would normally submit something to an editor. And so she said, you know, this text is really good. This is kind of the tone I'd like to see in the back matter. I really want you to feel free to play with the text. Then I did really my very first writing process step is diving into the research. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth can testify to the fact that I have a hard time pulling out of the research sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing that I was reading a lot of were his letters. And I just loved his voice. He would write these letters. They were so funny sometimes. I mean, he signed his name in the most interesting ways. Typically, his like signature was usually cordially, but then sometimes he'd say documentarily thine. (laughs) (laughs) He often signed his name, Lou Hine, all one word, which I appreciated as someone who once was known as Alex Dean, all one word, and never, even my mother called me Alex Dean, all one word. It wasn't, (laughs) wasn't ever separated. Sometimes he'd be (laughs) Heine, which also I got a kick out of. And he had just such a rich use of language in his letters and his reports, I wanted to capture that. And so I also looked at what other picture book biographies were out there. And two big mentor texts for me were A Poem for Peter about Ezra Jack Keats Mm -hmm. and Cloth Lullaby. And that was the first one I saw where every once in a while she'd incorporate a quote directly into the text. And I really loved that. Mm. And thought maybe there's a way that I could use that strategy here. And so then I started playing with the first person and the language. And I had a working document. That's actually my favorite research document that is just like every word or phrase or block of text from his writings that I thought I might be able to work in some way. And anytime I was looking to really capture his voice or strengthen his voice in the text, I'd go back to that. Wow. I love how yeah. we're geeking out over research documents. <laughs> it's like my heart is so happy. <laughs> so uh, Elizabeth, what was the editing process like for this story? It was entirely collaborative. Alex mentioned that we had worked on her previous book, Therese Makes a Tapestry. And that one was related to a tapestry exhibition that was actually at the Getty and We developed a wonderful rapport and a way of connecting to the expertise at the Getty to check this fact or that fact, although, again, Alex is a historian herself and and, um, everything was checking out 
perfectly, but we just had many hours of wonderful Zoom calls. <laughs> Very enjoyable process. You know, once she had uh, gotten a draft together to just really zoom in, making sure that the voice was coming through and how we were going to handle the actual quotations, which, as you know, ended up in italics so people could know that this was really him. His personality really shines through, and Alex did a terrific job making sure that we feel like we know who he was. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. You know, I think that his voice was also really important to the story because it is a serious subject. He showed me that he saw humor and joy in this process, even while recognizing the darkest parts of it and what needed change and that the kids did too. Mm. And so I really wanted to try and make that come through. And it makes me really happy that it sounds like maybe it did. You did. You succeeded. (laughs) It did a lot. (laughs) It did a lot. Yeah. Michael, your art is magical. Thank you. And I know you shared a little bit about your process already. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more or if there was anything in particular about this story that you found challenging. I was inspired. My wife and I were visiting our daughter. She works out in Hollywood. And we we had a meeting with Elizabeth. And she gave me a tour of it. I got to see actual hind photographs. And that was just really inspiring. And one of the things I thought of through Elizabeth's text and the actual photographs is that the people who let their children do, they weren't terrible parents, That, but that was just the mindset in those days. And it took somebody like Lewis Hine to realize this is not a good thing. I think parents in those days, they were the poorer class and they thought of it as an economic opportunity. My children can earn bringing money and they really didn't consider the danger of it. So I thought Alex's text that really brought that out, how someone like Lewis Hine was forward thinking. I had no problem uh, inspiring myself. I couldn't wait. It's what to leave out. I, mm. that's <laughs> There's a really beautiful synergy between your art and the text in mm-hmm. this book. It's just, yeah, stunning. So Maureen, what advice do you have for authors or illustrators to help maximize their book exposure? So first of all, I wanted to say that author questionnaire that I mentioned earlier, most every publisher will send one. Definitely fill it out and return it to your publicist and take it seriously because it helps us know, you know, what your priorities are, lets us know about the connections you have. I mean, we know the regular places that we'll pursue, but it really can be really very helpful for us. Also say don't be afraid or embarrassed or nervous about using your network. You probably know a lot more people than you think you do. And I would say, you know, try to use them as much as possible. The other thing related to that is don't be afraid to self-promote. You know, we have some (laughs) authors that I feel like publicizing themselves or posting about things on social media is bragging in some way or that people don't want to hear it. And I say, don't be afraid of that. The last thing I would say, touch base with your publicist regularly. Well, that's a good one. I'm going to send some emails after this call. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep that open. You know, we're not perfect and we forget. And so if there's something, okay. you know, that's important to you, like talk to us. It's helpful for us and we want to hear from you. So definitely be in touch with us. Good to regularly. know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Making notes. Somebody might not agree with me, but I think it's, uh, I think it's important. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> Thank yes, you. Yes. Okay, so we're on to our last question. Maureen, we'll start with you. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I love the idea that you can use 
art to make social change. This is a really inspiring story for people to understand. You don't have to be, you know, a, a super powerful person to really instigate important, important change. Absolutely. Elizabeth, we'll go to you next. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? Something that Michael's art and Alex's text does is teaches you how to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And so I hope that mm. today's children have a chance to see how children lived in earlier times, the challenges they faced, the different circumstances they might have had to be under, and the resilience of these children who were real children who Lewis Hine cared about and fought for. Learning that empathy, I think, is what I hope they take away from it. I love that. What about you, Michael? I think the purpose of this book are to take you back in time. This is the time when you worried about how can my child get a job and every all the dangers that entailed. So a child today would have empathy. I think the books accomplish that. Yes, um, definitely. Absolutely. Alex, what do you hope someone feels or learns? This year, 2021, is actually worldwide the year to eliminate child labor. And that's the, a major goal of the United Nations this year is bringing light to that. And so one thing I hope this book does is kind of raise awareness about child labor today, too. I would also say I hope that maybe while reading this, kids feel curious and maybe a sense of wonder about the changes that can happen, the relationship between the past and the present. Lewis Pine traveled all over the country and was in so many different communities and, you know, maybe feel curious about what happened in their country. But it never occurred to me that there was a history there and that childhood might have been and felt very different at different times. And so, yeah, I hope that it maybe inspires some curiosity on that front too. A big thank you to Alexandra, Michael, Elizabeth, and Maureen for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for the traveling camera. Check out the show notes to learn more about Alex and Michael and their other fabulous books. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode, and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening, and happy looking! Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.